Hello, I'm Major Adrian Allman. And I'm Captain Claire Allman. Welcome to the Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army podcast series. Birmingham Citadel is a Christian church located in Birmingham City Centre in the UK. This podcast is a recording of the Bible message that is shared during the Sunday worship service. You can now watch our service online through live stream at 10.30am every Sunday morning and can also find our stories and videos on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. It's good to have you share with us and as you listen we pray that God will speak to you. May you know God's abundant blessing today. We've been looking at 1 Thessalonians over the, the last few weeks before we were on furlough. So if you've got your copy of your Bible with you, I want to pick up where we left off. So we've covered the first three chapters, and here we come to pick up in verse 4, and uh, chapter 4. And we're reading this morning the first 12 verses. And it's entitled, Living to Please God. And Paul says this to the Thessalonians, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honourable, not in passion or lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that is this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now, about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Over the last month, we've looked at the first half of Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica. If you remember, Paul and Silas had visited Thessalonica to share the gospel. But in only a matter of weeks, a small group had come to know the Lord, but it had aroused an awful lot of persecution. Their work was not to everybody's Liking, And after only a few weeks, Paul and Silas had to leave Thessalonica. And they had to do it under the cover of night. Such was their, uh, the threat to their life. And this had really distressed Paul because Paul had become really fond of the Thessalonicans in the short period of time that he'd known them. And so what he did was when he arrived in Athens, he sent Timothy back. And he sent Timothy back to see how they were doing. 
Timothy went back to Thessalonica, stayed some time, and then returned to Paul. And he brought back some great reports of how the church in Thessalonica was doing. And so Paul pens this letter to the Thessalonians. And in the first three chapters, he celebrates their faithfulness. That's what he's been doing up to this first, uh, up to now. And in the first three chapters, he's talked about three things. He's talked about Christian mission. He thanks God for his saving work in Thessalonica. And how the church in Thessalonica can be a church actually sharing and passing on the message of gospel, of the gospel themselves. How they could be missionary. He talks about how they should imitate Christ, if you remember, we talked about that, how he gives them a pattern to emulate, how they should live and experience the presence of God in all things. And finally, in these first three chapters, he's been talking about Christian friendship and he's renewing his bond with them through this letter. And in so doing, he's reminding them, actually, this is what Christian friendship is. Well, that's the first half of the letter. Now we get this transition point. He set the scene at the end of chapter 3 for what he's going to talk about. He said, may, your love, may, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. May he strengthen your hearts so that you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when the Lord Jesus comes. He's setting the scene for how this second half's going to pan out. And then at the beginning of chapter 4, we get the transition. Right. Now for other matters. Now for other matters. And so he's moving on. We're getting this moving from celebration. And what he's doing is he's challenging them to grow even more and more. But more than that, to grow in the right way. My youngest, Katie, we were in a garden centre last year. And... We'd been doing all kinds of things. And she passed some row of pot plants. And they were called Flaming Katie. And she decided, I need one of those. It's my name. And I thought to myself, Flaming Katie's a very good description sometimes, I can assure you as well. But Flaming Katie is only a tiny little thing. And it flowers with some really small flowers. And they're beautiful. Well, we bought this thing. We watered it, the flowers came, and then they went. But the thing kept growing. And now, the original one is about a foot high. But it's never flowered again. And I went online and I thought, this can't be right. Flaming Katie, how do you make them flower? And it would appear that last year when they stopped flowering... I should have removed the leaves and stopped it growing more than two, two inches high. I shouldn't have allowed it to get to the 14 inches it's got to, because actually it's never going to flower. If I'd have taken the leaves off a year ago and kept it small and just kept what it would have flowered again. Now there's not an awful lot of hope for it. Anyway, it's green. It's not dead. That's always an advantage in our house. So I just leave it going. The point is, it wasn't growing right. Paul wasn't just encouraging the Thessalonians to grow. 
more and more, he wanted them to grow in the right way. He wanted them to be flowering, not just huge masses of green. He wanted them to grow in the right way. If they were to have a life that pleased God, then they had to do something about their holiness and how they lived out that holiness every day. And in this first verse of chapter 4, he he speaks about living to please God. I think in the past, the church made a clear call to holiness. Let's be frank, if you'd have come to the army 20 years ago, this meeting that you would have been sat in would have been called the holiness meeting. You would have come specifically to learn to be holy. In the afternoon, we'd have had the praise meeting. In the evening, we'd have had the salvation meeting. But there was a clear call to holiness. You came because you wanted to be holy. Listen, the terminology might have changed, and we might not call our meetings the same. It doesn't mean the essence has left us. We are still called to be a holy people. General Frederick Cooks said this in his great book, The Call to Holiness, the forgiven soul cannot be content to remain forgiven only. That's a marvellous phrase, isn't it? The forgiven soul cannot be content to remain just forgiven. The ideal of Christian holiness has a most disconcerting power. And once we've seen it, we can never unsee it. By our very desire for holiness, we may be encouraged to believe that the experience itself is no mirage but substantial fact. What Coots was saying to me as I read it is that holiness is not just possible in the life of the Christian. It's an absolute necessity. You can't just get a glimpse of God and forget what you've seen. You can't get a glimpse of what it is to be a holy person And forget and not have a desire to be even better in Christ. And as far as Paul's concerned, when writing to the Thessalonians, God is deeply concerned with how we live the Christian life. If God is concerned how we live the Christian life, are you? Are you? Jesus didn't just come to earth to make us children of God and get us into heaven. He came to enable us to live as the children of God and how they should live in a world that doesn't know God. If all you see Jesus is is as your ticket to heaven, you've missed the boat. Because God wants us in Jesus and wants to enable us in Jesus to live as the children of God ought to live in a world that doesn't know God. I think the context is vitally important for this chapter 4. And here we need to look at the the culture of Thessalonica. Greco-Roman times, it was an interesting culture, you know. For the Jewish people, they were okay... If they came to faith in Christ, they'd got at least a structure for living. They'd been raised on the Torah. They'd been raised on the law of God. So there was some kind of structure for them. 
But for the Gentiles who were coming to faith, they were coming to um, a faith from a, a culture of idolatry and promiscuity. In the Greco-Roman way of life, immorality was the done thing. People didn't work. They had slaves to do that. Why would you work when you've got a slave? They had time to indulge in all of life's pleasures and the latest pleasures. And so for Paul to come along and talk about Christian holiness, that was new to this culture. Wow, what's he talking about here? What's he talking about? It wouldn't have been easy for those young believers to fight the temptations around them. But all credit to them, they were. They were actually doing it. Paul says this in, his, in the opening line. We instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. This isn't Paul telling them off because they're not living as they should be. This is Paul saying, good on you. You're doing it. Now I want you to do it more. When Paul says, we instructed you how to live, the word he uses for live here is the Greek word peripatia. Peripatia. And it comes from two words. Peri, meaning about or around. And patio, <coughs> meaning to walk. And it portrays one walking about in all the various aspects of life. I think that's a better illustration of how we are to grasp holiness. What Paul was saying to the church in Thessalonica was, we instructed you how to walk in order to please God. We've instructed you how to walk in order to please God. And I think this is a much better illustration for us to grasp what the challenge of living a holy life is all about. Walking in order, how we walk in order to please God. That little old age thing that I did earlier in the, in the meeting illustrated that walking when you've got no burdens is easy. When you've got the burden of hanging on to two other people, it's a little bit more difficult. The Christian walk is just that it's a walk, it's not a leap. We don't jump from that place. To that place we walk we go one step in front of the other we might wish it was a leap we might wish we could go straight from there to be there but it's not we don't get where we need to be in one quick sudden flash it takes time to walk and it takes time to grow in the Lord on our holidays we went to Wales this is us at the top of Snowdon we did a great job there. I'd love to be able to say to you, I climbed that with my three ladies. We didn't. We cheated. We paid the train. We jumped on the train. And we trundled all the way up the side. And we got off at the top. And we hung around as though we'd just spent four hours climbing the thing. What cheaters. What cheaters. You know, I felt guilty as the train was going on because you could see all the people that were actually doing it properly and walking. 
the picture of walking with God, if that's the picture we've got of holiness, implies effort. Friends, if you think you can be holy without effort, you're wrong. Coote says in his call to holiness this, if wanting could make us better, we would be better. If desire or itself could transform us into men after God's own heart, then we would have been that long ago. For 30 years, I've desired to be a holy man. 30 years ago, if desire would have got me there, I would have been there 30 years ago. Unfortunately, it doesn't. It needs effort. And if I'm going to do this walk of holiness, then I'm going to have to put the yardage in. You know, one of the things I did observe when we were going up the train to Snowdon was that often people walked the mountain with a companion. There was very few people walking it on their own. They wanted to walk with somebody else. And actually they were enjoying it because it allowed them to get to know the person better because they could talk all the way up. They were able to talk about many things. Who knows? Some of them might have been asking advice on problems they were going through. That's what the Christian walk is all about. That's what the life of holiness is all about. The destination of our goal is not the mountaintop, but rather it's being Jesus-like. And we move steadily, becoming holy as he is holy. And we grow to become more like him in his character and qualities. Friends, I would say to you, it must be a priority that we take care of our own lives. And I'm not saying that in a selfish, self-centered way, but in a truly biblical way. We need to take care of our own lives in a way that is pleasing to God. I was asked the other day how old I was. I've reached that point in life where I can't remember, actually, and I have to do the maths. Right, 2022 minus 1967. I actually told them I was 55, but I'm not. I'm 54, I'm 55. Awful when you, you just don't know how old you are. Whereas if you ask my daughters, they'll tell you straight away how old you are, but then they'll put a caveat on it. I am nine, but I'm going to be ten soon. I am twelve, but in a few weeks' time, I'm going to be a teenager. I want to go that way. They're desperate to go that way. I want to stop growing old. They want to grow even more. Paul acknowledges that the Thessalonians were actually growing. But he encourages them, here in chapter 4, verse 1... To do more and more. We never get to the place in the holy life where we can say, I've arrived. Has anybody arrived in the holy life in this room? Anybody? Anybody cracked Jesus' likeness? Because I'd like to meet you. We can never say, I'm fully conformed to the image of Jesus and I don't need to grow any more. 
when you think about it, Paul applied this to his own life. When he was talking to the Philippians, what did he say to them? Not that I've already obtained all of this, he was talking about. Pursuing a Jesus-like life. Or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. This is Paul. Paul saying, I have not attained holiness. But I'm trying. I want it more and more. Friends, the longer you're a Christian, I think the easier it is to become routine in your relationship with the Lord and you lose the freshness of walking daily with him. Do you know that feeling? Do you know the feeling of losing the freshness of walking daily with God? If so, if you're there now, please do something about that. Because when we, grow spirit, when we become spiritually apathetic, we are not growing Listen, there's always room for growth. And we need to stay on the path of pleasing God and growing in him. I want to jump right to the very end of the passage from chapter 1 to verse 11. Because as as they live out their holiness, Paul tells the Thessalonians this. He says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands. They were called to be faithful, not just in the home or at church, but in all public spheres of life. I find this quite a paradoxical instruction. After all, if Paul had lived the quiet life, we wouldn't have had any of the the proclamation of the gospel, would we? These Thessalonians were more likely to witness to others, according to Paul, by how they worked as much as what they said. They were to serve God by getting on with it and getting on with the work. I think Paul was also telling them and encouraging them to stay away from idleness because inevitably, when we're idle, it leads to temptation and it also leads to meddling because we've got now else to do. You see it in life, don't you? That The ones who always got something to say are the ones that don't do anything. In all aspects of life, the ones that have got something to say Don't actually do anything. I read this lovely quote, and as I come to the end this morning, here's a lovely challenge for us. Holiness does not involve withdrawing from the world of work so much as participating in that world in a new and different way. For these Thessalonians, even to do any work was different from the culture. I said earlier, they don't work. Slaves did the work. Yet Paul was saying, no, 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 no. If you're going to be reliable, then you work really hard. And then people will be able to say that you provide for yourselves and that you share generously with others. Holiness does not involve withdrawing from the world of work. It means participating in that world in a new and different way. John MacArthur says this lovely quote when believers display diligent work attitudes and habits and live in a loving and tranquil manner that respects others privacy and does not intrude or gossip it constitutes a powerful testimony to unbelievers and makes the gospel credible now there's a challenge to a holy life isn't it eh? 
There's a challenge to a holy life. This morning, I think the message is very simple. Our first priority is taking care of our own lives, not in a selfish, self-centered way, but in a truly biblical way, in a way that is pleasing to God. The Christian life is a walk. There's always room for growth. So don't lose the freshness of walking daily with God. And if we're going to live a holy life, let's participate in this world of ours in a new and different way that constitutes a powerful testimony to unbelievers and makes the gospel credible. How are you living out your holiness? Simple question. Time for us to have a think about that before we go home. What's your walk with Christ like? There's a lovely song in the song, but I've not sung it for years. And I found it as I was doing my meeting lead, and I thought, do you know what? That's just a great song for us to have at the end of our morning meeting this morning. Because it allows us time to reflect. Take time to be holy, say the words. Speak oft with the Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his words. Make friends of God's children. Help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing his blessing to seek. If, like me, you've not sung it for a while, I've just asked John to play the melody for you. But this is a mirror moment. This is time to look in the mirror. It's time to reflect on the holiness of life. How is God showing that holiness within us? What's our Christian walk like? Are we sprinting like the children? Are we struggling a bit? Are we really struggling? Are we learning? Are we wanting to grow? Do we actually even want to be holy or are we just glad to be forgiven? Let's take some time this morning as we reflect. Let's sing together. Take time to be holy.
just carry on playing while we close our eyes for a minute. The Christian life is a walk and there's always room for growth. And so in these quiet moments, how about each and every one of us commit ourselves to the freshness of walking daily with God, to want to live a holy life. And in these moments of reflection with God, how can we participate in this world of ours in a new and different way that will constitute a powerful testimony to unbelievers? Lord, make us holy. Father God, when we come before you and we think of our holiness, none of us have achieved what we want to be. None of us can say we've arrived. We are Jesus-like. We're pressing on like Paul towards the goal. So Lord, help us to be disciplined in our priority of taking care of our lives in a truly biblical way, in a way that's pleasing to you. And by doing that, may we be people who walk in such a manner that Jesus can be seen in us. Lord, help us to take our place in, in this world of ours and be different. And may that difference be a powerful testimony to other people around us. So help us, Lord, today. Help us to be holy. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.